I am joined, uh, as always, by two good friends of mine, Thomas Bex and Laura Cress. Now, I know that uh, my internet is being, uh, well, I keep getting this internet unstable message. And I think, oh, uh, have you have you guys realized? Have you guys? Yes. <laughs> so yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> we we shall see how how it goes. If I do drop out or anything, hopefully it won't. But it might be it might improve the podcast. But <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. So joined by Thomas Bex and Laura Cress is not Laura Bow. Who are we talking about Laura Bow? I'll be reviewing Colonel's Bequest later on. And uh, Thomas, what game will you be reviewing later on? I will be reviewing uh, the very dark game Saint Kotar. Yes, that uh, <laughs> I think it looks very dark, and it's uh, certainly with from what you said, from what I've seen, it sounds you know very dark as well with the uh, topic. And uh, and Laura, what game will you be reviewing? Uh, I will be reviewing Alfred Hitchcock Vertigo, not Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo, <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock Vertigo. Okay, that's. Uh, I'm really looking forward to to that review. You know, Alfred Hitchcock Vertigo, which I mean, I don't know. That, that doesn't really make much sense to, to um, the title, but maybe it does. Maybe when you explain it, when you review it, maybe you'll be able to make it all clearer. No. Nope. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> yeah. Well. Well, looking forward to those uh, two reviews, but we've got a lot to talk about uh, this week or this this month around this episode. Uh, we I'll, um, we'll talk about some demos as well. It was a big adventure event um, with plenty of demos to go through, plenty of uh, really interesting looking games coming up. Um, but first, I think uh, we should start with the news. And there was, uh, I think, only one news item that we can talk about, which was pretty big. I think of seismic proportions. And I am, yeah. of course, talking about the fact that the Adventure Games podcast had their very first video interview, very first live interviews, which took the internet by storm. I mean, really, it was on Sky News, CNN, Al Jazeera, all of these things. And I think there was some other news about, was it Microsoft uh, acquiring, was it Activision Blizzard? So which, which news item do you think we should talk about? I think we should talk about Microsoft acquiring the Adventure Game Podcast. Hey. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, well, Phil Spencer, if you're listening. <laughs> I, no, he I mean, is, he regularly listens. <laughs> no, I mean, look, I think if they offered us money, I would like to think that we'd still keep our integrity and uh, oh, decency yes. and give us the money. Sorry, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was something in your throat there? I, yeah, something in my throat, yeah. but uh, oh, I need money. But yeah, no, I would definitely keep this podcast independent and I definitely would not go to a tropical island somewhere. Uh, I mean, I'll still record. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. As long as it's got better internet wherever you're recording. Hopefully, yeah. I mean, I would I would buy the internet with that kind of money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, uh, Microsoft uh, acquired Activision Blizzard. Now, we could spend hours discussing the actual acquisition, what it means for the industry and all of that. We could talk about maybe what it means for Activision Blizzard. We could talk about many things. But I think what would probably interest people listening to this podcast is uh, the fact that Microsoft now owns Sierra IP. So they own the Sierra game. They own the rights to games like King's Quest, uh, well, all the Quest games, uh, Laura Bow, um, Gabriel Knight, and all of these great games. So I just wanted to talk about, uh, do we think it's good news? Do we think we might see a revival of these games? Do we want a revival of these games? Do we think the adventure game industry needs revival? So Thomas, you seem to have, as a Sierra fan of this podcast. (laughs) Well, I I wanted to put the amount in perspective first because Mm. Microsoft paid almost $70 billion for Activision, uh, Activision Blizzard. And to compare, Disney paid uh, one billion for Marvel and four billion for Star Wars. Yeah, which is just insane. I mean, it shows that the video game industry is bigger, literally bigger than Star Wars and Marvel put together. I know that was a few years ago, but still, you know, with yeah. the inflation there. But still, I mean, it's an astonishing amount of money. <laughs> Crazy amount of money. But uh, uh, yeah, so they own the, the Sierra uh, IP now. And 
that's obviously the reason why Microsoft bought Activision. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, now, we have to be realistic. As much as we um, as we would love to uh, see some of that IP make a, make a comeback, I don't think that's going to happen, or at least not anytime soon. Um, I think um, they own some massive studios now. They own some massive IP now, like uh, uh, Call of Duty. And that's gonna that's gonna swallow up all the resources uh, or resources there because that's where they get the money. And maybe in the future, in the, in like uh, once the, the the dust has settled, and Microsoft realizes what all other IP that they are now that they now own, they might be able to look and say, hey, maybe we can uh, do something with this King's Quest, or uh, maybe uh, uh, one of the uh, one of the uh, uh, XOs there uh, has a soft spot for Space Quest and thinks, hey. We uh, we make so much money out of command uh, out of want to say command and conquer, but it's Call of Duty. <laughs> Call of Duty. Maybe we can throw a couple of um, uh, a couple of quid uh, towards that, uh, and, and they can uh, develop something there. Um, however, it will not be with uh, or it will probably not be with the involvement of the original creators. Could be a good thing, can be mm. a bad thing. It's hard to tell at the moment. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm not holding my breath until something comes out. But I I am. Hopeful that something might come out of it. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's probably the best way to be. Uh, Laura, do you have any thoughts? I mean, I know you didn't like me. You didn't grow up playing Sierra games, so I know that yeah. it doesn't have the same nostalgia factor it has for uh, you know for you and me as it does maybe for Thomas and plenty of other people. But what are your thoughts um, about well about this? About, yeah, uh, I mean, it's a huge, <laughs> it's a huge deal, isn't it? It's a big, big deal that's gone through. It's like it's going to make Microsoft like the third biggest in terms of uh, games company in terms of revenue in the world, just behind Sony and Tencent. So that's something. I mean, I have Game Pass on my laptop. I've got like Windows. I've got Game Pass. So it means, obviously, if if they did do something with Sierra, that would be you know I could have all of that for a subscription service monthly. At the moment, am I that bothered about the game? that would be coming because of Activision Blizzard. Um, not, I mean, I do play Call of Duty a bit, but, um, you know, I don't really play Overwatch. I don't play Diablo or, or any of those kind of games that are also coming across. So I'm not too fussed about those games in particular, but it is interesting. You know, hmm. it's definitely like paves the way. Microsoft have been buying up a lot of stuff recently. Bethesda, they, they bought as well. Um, who I'm a bit more in, into. Um, so, yeah, it's, you know, in that sense, more bang for your buck. You know, it's going to definitely challenge Sony quite a lot and the PlayStation about what they're going to do. Absolutely. Um, um, interested to see what what this will mean, really, in, in terms of for indie games, though, like you say, and what will happen. Yeah, if, if, you, if you look at what Microsoft now owns, that is Activision and Blizzard, and... Um, they have uh, games like State of Decay, Forza Horizon, Halo, Sea of Thieves, GoldenEye, the Fallout, Candy Crush. Don't underestimate yeah, the, Candy Crush the, is the, huge. the revenue of Candy Crush. Yeah. Gears of War, Hellblade, Minecraft, Wolfenstein, Elder Scrolls, Doom, Dishonored. Those are massive, massive titles. And while I don't expect them to put uh, Call of Duty as a uh, as an exclusive. Yeah, I don't think they will. I either. would not be surprised if uh, something like Fallout or Dishonored or whatever is going to go the exclusive way. <laughs> I think, yeah, uh, I agree. Yeah. I think single games, single player games will probably get become more exclusive to Xbox, but with stuff that's multi-platform already like Call of Duty mm. probably will stay uh, multi-platform. Yeah, well, regarding the, um, the Sierra IP, I mean, my own personal opinion is and it's probably a question, like, do, do we, and I mean this in the best possible way, I'm a fan of these games myself, maybe not with the same nostalgia factor, but do we really need another, like, one of the Quest games? Because we've had nine King's Quest games. We had King's Quest Eight, and then we had uh, Revival of the of King's Quest a few years ago, and then we've had, how many Legion of Suit Larry? Do we still get new Legion of Suit Larry games? We've had six or seven Space Quest games, and the, the creators of Space Quest, they are still working on Space Venture, which is another story altogether. They've been 10 years working on that, so they're, they're busy enough themselves. And uh, yeah, I mean, the one property from Sierra that I really, really am interested in is Gabriel Knight, because we've had three of those. That game ended on a cliffhanger, Gabriel Knight 3, and um, Jane Jensen and Robert Holmes want to continue. They were planning on making a fourth one. They tried to get the rights. They were very close to making a fourth one. 
So I think out of all the CRIPs, they're the only ones who really, really want to make, you know, another CRI game with uh, the original creators, the original uh, developers. And that's the only one that I really, really want <laughs> out of all the CRIP. Um, but uh, now there was some reaction from some people as well. Ken Williams uh, had a blog post about it that many people are asking him what he thought. And basically what he said was that he doesn't know what's going to happen to CRIP. But he said he doesn't think that Microsoft will do anything yet. I think more or less what Thomas said, that they spending so much money, they're going to want to uh, put the money into bigger titles, like all the titles that Thomas just mentioned, that uh, will make back some of the money because 70 billion is a lot of money. So he, th- he thinks that they probably won't care about um, the smaller IPs just yet. On the other hand, Robert Holmes, who I just mentioned, who is a composer for Gabriel Knight Games and his partner is Jane Jensen, and who works closely with it. He says that he's more confident. He said it's on his Facebook page because he said that uh, he knows a number of people at Microsoft. They're fans of Sierra games. They grew up playing Sierra games. I believe through someone, and I could be wrong about his name, but someone called Metal Jesus had had a video. Yeah, I, I could be very wrong with that name, but he said that he was a former Sierra employee. And he said that when Sierra closed down in 1999, um, Microsoft was just up the road. So guess which company a lot of former Sierra employees went to work for? Microsoft. And a lot of them are still there. So yeah, they might are, want they, to, are they in positions of that's the thing. make decisions? That's, 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 the that's, thing. that's the thing you need to have. But yeah. the, the one person who probably is most important is Phil Spencer. And in an interview he gave, he then, was, he then said... Um, I've been looking through the list of IPs that we now own, and the first game he mentioned was King's Quest. <laughs> so, you know, maybe uh, you know, maybe he's interested into, maybe he's not. We don't know. Um, but and oh. Microsoft have been working with independent studios and games before, so it's you know, it's it's possible, but maybe not yet. <laughs> I think the uh, the Larry the Le- the Ledger suit Le- the new Ledger suit Larry games did relatively well i mean they, mm. the first one did well enough to get a sequel and both yeah. games were pretty good you said well we got nine uh nine king's quest games do we need another one well if it's good yeah okay true <laughs> fair enough yeah we, then, <laughs> but, then, but that's the whole thing i um uh, you, you can you can you can mess up all uh, old ip like that mm. or you can uh and, or just you know bank on nostalgia or you can make something that's actually good and I think, like for instance, if I if I may uh, take a, uh, an example out of uh, another, uh, uh, like I don't know if you watch Cobra Kai, but Cobra Kai is fantastic, and it's 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 basically uh, like a, a legacy uh, sequel to uh, to the Karate Kid. Mm. If you if you manage to do it like that, it I'm uh, I'm be happy to play, but uh, play him. But if you uh, you have to make something good, exactly, can't. Just rely on nostalgia. But yeah, I mean, it is certainly very possible. But um, look, Microsoft, just give us another game real night just to keep us fans happy so that they can tell the story that they want to tell, um, which is what I really want as well. Uh, And that's all that matters, (laughs) what I want. (laughs) Um, but, But yeah, no, we could spend a long time. We shall see what happens. I think the deal will probably, I've read it officially close in 2023. So there's still quite a way to go because it's a publicly owned company. So, I mean, that's what I read. So we probably won't hear much for this year, but we shall see. A lot of I's to be dotted and T's to be there. Quite a lot, you know, with so many billions. It's, <laughs> um, I, I also think it is, uh, I think a lot of the old um, Activision Blizzard people, like the leadership is going to go because mm. there was, uh, there was like, obviously there was a lot of problems there, a lot of t- toxic work environment. And, and I think Microsoft is going to use this to completely clean house and get rid of all the people who they feel are responsible for all, for all that trash. And um, hopefully that will yeah, put a shine again on Blizzard, for instance, because mm. Blizzard was always uh, seen as the, one of the companies that put, that did it well until all this came out. And mm. so uh, and the quality of their games is, uh, is certainly uh, certainly uh, non, non-debatable because t- t- they're very good. Yeah. I, hope, uh, I hope this will give a lot of, uh, of their, their IP also a new lease on life. 
Definitely. Uh, well, we shall see what happens. Now, as you mentioned, Thomas, to put some perspective on uh, how much money it is, you know, close to 70 billion, it's a little bit more than what we get on our Patreon, which brings me to our Patreon. <laughs> so, you know, we have a Patreon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we don't make uh, $70 billion, uh, but yes. uh, yet, but, you know, if people want to support this podcast and support indie games, which we support, you can check out patreon.com forward slash adventure games podcast. Um, you will get, you know, some extras. So you get these episodes uh, at least 24 hours in advance. You get some extras like the, um, the interviews that we did at Adventure X, which hopefully might be returning soon because apparently COVID is over. But according to... <laughs> mm, <laughs> but uh, so sure about that. <laughs> well, that's, that's, what I, that's what I've been reading on the internet. So it's got to be mm, true. There you go. Um, but I mean, hopefully we'll return. You also have some, um, interviews, some extra interviews that I did, uh, some spoiler interviews that I did with developers and, uh, and yeah, so you can check us out at adventure game or patreon.com forward slash adventure games podcast. And you can check us out if you wish. You can also help us by leaving reviews because that will help um, help with the visibility of the podcast. And it will in turn help with, uh, the game that we cover. Uh, so the indie games as well that, you know, many of them are just one or two person studio. We try and cover as many as we can. So um, hopefully people uh, can, you know, check us out there. You can uh, review us there as well. So we also have a lot of demos that we're going to talk about. Thanks to the big adventure event. Thanks to HitSense, the publishers of Inspector Waffles and plenty of other games. So Thomas, uh, which demos did you play and which game, which demos stood out to you? Well, I played quite a few. Uh, the, the good thing about demos is that they're usually relatively short. Uh, most of these were between 15 and 30 minutes. So I played quite a few, and I think I played a couple that you guys also played. So I'll just go around the list, and then you can mm-hmm. uh, you can bump in. So the first one I played was Professor Crackbrain and the Awakening of the Weredog. I love yeah, it already. Def- I love it already. The, most, the title. <laughs> definitely the most bonkers title uh, that I've uh, that I've played. A very classic point-and-click adventure. It still felt um, unpolished. Uh, but it's a demo, so that can be expected. Uh, but it's uh, it felt like a, a very much an homage to um, to Maniac Mansion and, uh, and and games like that. It's about a, a kid whose dog gets kidnapped by an evil professor, and he and his friends are gonna have to try and uh, get the dog back. That's basically the uh, the whole setup of the demo. And um, to do that, you have to f- yeah find all the kinds of uh, uh, stuff and, and uh, solve some puzzles and so it was a very uh, a very uh, cool one. Um, the next one is a mechanic eight two three zero. I loved how this game looked. This looked really good. It looked a bit like the um, the, the the one where you played a little robot. Oh, not somewhere else. No dialogue. Uh, the one yeah. that Flora's played. A machinarium. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Th- those ones. Yeah. It has a bit of a, a bit of that style. Other than that, classic, uh, classic point and click. Looks very interesting. I also played Intruder in Anticonia. Again, point and click, but almost a bit like uh, the, the visual style was almost a bit, a bit Sims-like. I would say mm. very cartoony, where you uh, wake up, uh, wake up on uh, in the hospital uh, with amnesia, and you have no idea who you are. And you have to find out what. So you walk around a bit and you talk to people and you, uh, yeah, you have to go about trying to find out what is behind, why you don't know anything and why you have a fake ID. Um, I have no idea why, because the, the demo doesn't go that far, but it gave a good impression. Um, I played Endling, which is a side-scroller, like a story-driven side-scroller where you, where you play a fox. It sounds like an action game, but it, it's, it, it's more like the Joker, you know, like the kind of uh, side-scrolling, story-driven games. So that's why I, I still f- feels it was part of the adventure game genre in this case. Blood Nova, which is a very uh, also classic, uh, more more uh, share-oriented when you look at the art style. They are uh, the same guys who made The Corruption Within. So in this case, you play a uh, cosmic princess who is on the verge of taking the throne of the of her empire or galactic empire and then there is an attack on the place where she is and she needs to try and escape with her friend uh, and bodyguard uh, try to escape live uh very fun uh, good puzzles um good 
it's it's very much uh, you click on something just to to you, like you use it either you look at it or you use it or you pick it up. So it's it's very much a one click uh, thing. Then the Plague Doctor of Whipra also pixel art. I think we all a played this one. one, didn't we? I think we all played this one, yeah. And then I played a Twisted Tale, which was more a showcase than it was an actual game yet. Um, all, all I did was walk around an antique store and look at uh, all the uh, items there and talk to the uh, to the, the very snooty uh, owner of the antique store. A nice hand-drawn style. Uh, I think uh, once the game comes out, uh, this will well. Uh, it looked very interesting. There are lots of homages in the game as well to old... Cl- they, they, it's even... I think that they say that you can find 17 homages to classic adventure games. Now, I've found a few uh, Monkey Island ones and uh, a few other ones. Um, I didn't find all 17, um, but that's more, it, was, it looked more like a showcase than an actual play, playable demo. And uh, Abort the Adventure was, uh, reminded me immediately of a Flight of the Amazon Queen. Uh, takes place in, I mm. think, like the early 1900s. And you are the captain of a ship and you have been hired by a doctor. It's a bit Indiana Jones-like. You're in a temple, you crash into, well, basically you're in a cave, you crash into a temple. And th- this part is a bit of a homage at Raiders of the Lost Ark where you find an idol. You have to get the idol, but you don't want to set off traps. So you have to put something in place of the idol. But of course, things don't go as they planned. This one uh, also looked very, very interesting, very fun to play, very humorous as well. I think of all these ones, um, I think the most I would look for. Well, I, I would look forward to most of them, but <laughs> the adventure and Endling made a very good impression. The Endling, especially because it looks gorgeous and the sound, it sounds gorgeous as well. Uh, even though it's not a, tech, uh, uh, a very strict uh, adventure game in that way, but I would definitely play all of these. Oh, brilliant. Nice. Well, t- thank you, Thomas. You can take a, take a deep breath now. <laughs> the two games that I think that I played in that list were Intruder and Antiquonian, The Plague Doctor of Whipra, which you mentioned. And, um, and I really enjoyed both of these games. And, you know, as you mentioned, I love the mystery behind them. It's, the story seems to be very short. Uh, the one thing, though, is I think the two of us got stuck at the exact same part in both games um, because we both missed the hotspot. <laughs> In yeah. you know the same hotspot. So yeah. my one suggestion to these developers is, and I know that there was a discussion <laughs> that at least Laura and I had with a few other developers, and there were some different opinions, shall we say. Um, but my suggestion is, you know, even if you're not going to make a hotspot finder, uh, at least I would say make the hotspots very clear because I I don't think personally, you know, pixel hunting should be a puzzle. I've always hated pixel hunting. I really, really do. I don't think it should be part of adventure games. I think they should just go away. But I mean, I, I sorry, don't mean to pick on these games because I enjoy these demos and I'm really uh, looking forward. Probably will get them when the full games are out. But I think just to make them even better, if the hotspots could be clearer, um, that's what I would say. Uh, because again, myself and Thomas both got stuck at the exact same points in the game because we missed yeah. the exact same hotspots. So, um, but it's yeah, it's also a bit sad that we both got stuck in a fifteen-minute game. I know, right? <laughs> but it, but again, it wasn't because uh, you know we got stuck in the puzzle. It was because we missed the hotspot. So again, that would yeah. be my only suggestion, my only piece of feedback uh, for those two games that uh, that I played. Um, but yeah, and Laura, uh, you played a number of demos as well <laughs> that yeah. were different <laughs> to Thomas. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, obviously, as you said, I did play Play Doctor of, of Whipra, which is by Application Systems Heidelberg. I like the kind of pixely mm. yeah, uh, I love the graphics. style of it. Yeah. And, the, the, you know, the, the story seemed quite the sort of setting of, you know, being during the plague and you're kind of a, a doctor trying to help uh, patients and stuff seemed interesting. Mm. Um, another one I played was Space Boat, um, which is by the developers of uh, Mass Effect, which I, but it's a lot sillier than Mass Effect. I was going to um, say, this is very I've serious, really, really right? Liked... <laughs> yeah, no, it's not at all. It, it was about a half hour demo. It's like, it looks, it's a very bright colored um, sort of setting. It's You're a kind of investigator in space. You, I can't remember the name of the investigation force. It's a very silly name as well, but um, basically you're this cat and you are an investigator and you, you've got a 
um, investigate these sort of crimes that are happening in space. And it's just got a very whimsical sort of writing style. It's all 3D. And the voice acting was brilliant. And the, the demo was really well done. I, I really enjoyed it. And I, I've definitely wishlisted that. So I like that one. Um, also, Beacon Pines, I really liked. I think this demo has been out for a while. It wasn't just out for the big adventure event. Um, it had quite an interesting conceit where you... As you go along, it's so, the way they've sold it, and I really like this uh, line to sell it, is it's Winnie the Pooh meets Twin Peaks. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of like this lovely sort of animal uh, countryside setting. You played this uh, deer and you've got a friend who's a cat and it's kind of like a, a nice sort of like joyful setting. But then this creepy stuff happens. You, you come across this creepy place in the forest and uh, weird things happen. Um, and I, there's like an interesting conceit where you've got a narrator who's telling the story and, and every so often you pick certain words up that can change the path of the story. Um, and you could go back in, in time to those certain points and use a different word and it might completely change the story. Um, so I thought that was really a sort of interesting idea and Winnie the Pooh meets uh, Twin Peaks. Why not? Um, Strange Horticulture I played, which is actually out now, um, but I played a bit of that. Um, and that was, again, really in intriguing that you're kind of the seller um, of a sort of strange plants and herbs uh, store in in the Lake District, in fact, in the UK. Um, and it's, it's all about kind of apoth apothecary. I think that's how you say it. And um, well sort of magic. Thank you. <laughs> and it, it's a bit like papers, please. But you're selling kind of weird, magical plants. Um, mm. So people are coming in and they're, they're buying all these things. And you're sort of picking up the story as you go along with all these different people. And you have to you can travel to different places and try and find new herbs and plants and stuff. So, I mean, that, I'll be probably playing that as a full game at some point. Um, do not buy this game. I played the game. <laughs> I think you played this as well, didn't you, Georgia? Mm -hmm. Is that right? Um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of, it reminded me like Stanley Parable. It was kind of like a very meta or like this is not a game, you know, those kind of meta games. I mean, the, the demo itself, I don't think is going to be in the actual game, but it was just kind of a showing you what sort of style it has. And, you know, if you like those sort of meta things, I think it did a fair enough um sort of introduction to that. Um, and then what else did I play? Norco. That was interesting, that one. That was quite an odd um, writing style. It was quite, in, it reminded me a bit of like Discalisium and its writing style, very in-depth, very articulate. It had a very interesting like pixel art style as well. It looked very pretty. Um, I would say it was a little bit too dense for me. I was just like, <laughs> I don't quite get what's going on here because it was very um, full on and and quite, it sort of like felt read like a Thomas Pynchon nom novel, really. It was quite uh, obtuse, some of what was going on, but I'd, I'd be intrigued maybe just to learn a bit more about that and find out a bit more. And then finally, De Desolatium, which I think you also played um, is, is that how you say it? I think. I mean, I would say desolation. Desolation. Um, and again, I was quite intrigued with that as kind of Lovecraftian, Lovecraftian style, uh, sort of point and click. Uh, but but it's supposed to be played, I think, as a VR kind of game. But you can play it non VR. Um, so I'd be, I didn't play it VR. I'd be interested to play that in VR. I think that'd give it a bit more of an immersive feel. But yeah, I like the kind of concept uh, around that one as well. Yeah. Was it the prologue that you played or the demo of the? Yes. Full? Yeah, myself the, oh, as the well. demos. I think it was. I think it was the demo. I think it was the demo. Oh, okay. I, pl I played the prologue. I, 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 I'm not quite sure. I'd have to have a look. But um, it was him sort of being in this kind of hospital area. Uh, it's up. different. It's a, it's a demo. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. played the demo then. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Lauren. Because I played the prologue of um, Desol... Uh, I mean, I would say Desolation, but I spoke with the developers as well, Superlumen. Um, and that interview will be going up in the podcast uh, later on in the year. And they, they said they, they call it Desolatium. So, oh, well, there you go. Um, well, I also I played a prologue where you play as a, as, you know, a young woman in a creepy town. And uh, yeah, creepy things start happening. And it, they use like real photographs in real village uh, in Spain and put that into the game. And it's VR as well. So I think it would work really well in VR. Um, I really enjoyed Do Not Buy This Game. I mean, I didn't buy it because it's not available, but I did play <laughs> it. And I also spoke to the developer and it was really interesting as well. It's, uh, I, I thought it worked. I thought it was very, very funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, which should remind me of There Is No Game and I haven't played Stanley Parable, but the developer himself was a fan, is a fan of Stanley Parable. Um, so, so yeah, I would recommend people check that out. Um, and another game I played a little bit of, and I spoke with developers, is Sonority, which is um, a music, an audio 
uh, puzzle game. So now I know people, some people might be like, oh, you know, audio or with some music puzzles, but um, at least when I, little that I played, I was able to solve them. So you don't need to be a musician or really know anything about music, uh, music or be musical in any way <laughs> to solve the puzzles. And the developers have said that they have worked hard to try and make, you know, the puzzles accessible. Uh, you know, they wanted to share, you know, the love for, for music as well. And um, also an interesting thing as well is that the developer told me, I think every puzzle but two puzzles can be solved by a deaf or hard of hearing puzzle, which kind of surprised me uh, in a good way. Um, but it looks beautiful as well. So I'd encourage people to check out that. And, uh, and there is um, no demo of this as well, but a game that was hosted at the event and that I'm really intrigued by is Unknown Number which is an audio, not an audio-based game, but this time it's a voice-controlled first-person talker. So you, you entirely use your voice. So it's kind of like if you're talking to Siri or Google, but uh, it's a game with characters and a really, really fun interview with the developers. And um, they also said that, uh, you know, you can make choices in the game. You can, you have these eco-warriors that are going to uh, an oil rig and you can choose whether to help them or basically screw them over. <laughs> so, um, and sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. So that was the um, big adventure event and all the demos that we played. Thank you, Thomas and Laura. Shall we get to the reviews then? Let's. Okay. So before you guys uh, review your games, which are a little bit more, a uh, little bit newer, um, I decided to go back in time. And now we spoke about Microsoft acquiring uh, uh, Activision Blizzard. Uh, they now own a Sierra IP. By complete coincidence, I just finished for the first time one of Sierra's early games, uh, the first in the lore of bow games, uh, The Colonel's Bequest. And so this game was released in 1989. So in case you haven't played it, you play as Laura Bow, who is a Southern gal. Sorry, that's my attempt at a Southern American accent. Um, she is a college student uh, and she's invited by her best friend, Lillian Prune, to her family's creepy mansion in a bayou in Louisiana, because why not? And it's very remote. Uh, you can get there by boat, but then you can't leave. And so at the dinner... Uh, the family there and the uncle, who is Colonel Dijon, get it? so like, you know, play on Colonel Mustard. Uh, he then tells the family that uh, he's going to leave, you know, in his will, he's going to leave them all equal amounts of money. But, oh, if any one of them were to die, then the other person would get, you know, they still get equal, but they'll get more. So, um, I mean, you never guess what happens then. <laughs> Uh, Laura Bow then says, oh, but there's something uh, fishy going on with this family. I'm just going to randomly investigate, <laughs> walk around this house that I've been invited to. <laughs> so then you walk around and you find dead bodies start to mount up and you have to try and find out what is happening and try and survive. Um, now, the interesting thing about this is there are things about it that are dated because, you know, it's an early Sierra game that was released in 1989. But overall, I still really liked it. I still thought that it was, you know, quite good. So the story I found interesting, they are archetypes. Sometimes it is melodramatic. Um, but I, I was invested in the story overall. And then there are some really creepy moments. And it's, uh, so, and I thought the, the writing, while well, probably isn't as good as um, in Agatha Christie's, you know, best novels, I, you know, it still kept me infested all the way through. Um, the, the thing is, as well, this is this game is a text parser game, so you actually have to type. So it's not point and click. You use the keyboard to to move, and then if you want to talk to characters, you have to type ask. Uh, you know, Colonel Dijon about gun, for example. Now, a lot of this is a little bit, uh, it was interesting, but it's a little bit limited in that you can go with the entire game without really talking to the characters, without typing anything. But, you know, it's, it's still interesting. The interesting thing about the gameplay, so with the, with the gameplay, you it's not timed, but there are, specific time events. So if you see an uh, important event, the clock will go forward about 15 minutes. Uh, what, I mean, this is both good and bad. I suppose you could say, first of all, the negative side is that it's very possible to miss 
one of these important events. And then you might not have any idea what's going on in the story or you might miss something or maybe not get the best ending or whatever. Um, but on the other hand, it adds to replayability that you can then uh, go, oh, I missed this, so I'll go back again. And certainly, you know, I was reading on Facebook that someone said 30 plus years later, he replayed the game and he saw that there were some new things that he saw about the game. Um, now, it, it, as we said, it is quite funny, I think, with the structure of it, because regarding the gameplay, there aren't many puzzles. Um, some of the puzzles are classic Sierra that really don't make a lot of sense. Puzzles, nothing too bad, nothing. I was telling Thomas before recording, it's not as sadistic as other early Sierra games. I'm not sure if there are any dead ends, which is good. But uh, a lot of the time, you just uh, wander around the house trying to find out what's going on. You can follow people. And one of the things that I did really like is if you go into secret passageways, and you can then spy on people, uh, you know, having conversations or, you know, doing things that they probably shouldn't be doing, like G's and Fifi, like, oh my, oh Fifi. Nothing too explicit, but you can kind of tell. And, uh, and it was interesting. And what I, would, um, what I would have liked, however, is to have more like objectives, maybe have more of an idea rather than simply wandering around the house, really not knowing what to do. Now, I do have to say that I play this game almost entirely with a walkthrough because life is too short to play an early Sierra game for the first time without a walkthrough. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just didn't want to try and figure out, you know, okay, what random puzzle do I have to do here? What random death thing is going to happen to me? Now, you can save, which is very good. There are death scenes. You can die a number of ways, which are kind of random, but they're also very funny. <laughs> um, so, but one of the best things about this game, I think, is the art style. It looks beautiful, not just for a game that's released in 1989, but I think even now, compared to games now, you can tell that it is really art. And I can understand why, for example, Julia Minamata, who is making the Crimson Diamond, was inspired by this game and the look of this game. And um, and it's, it just looked really, really good. And it nails the atmosphere. As I said, it's, uh, it gets genuinely creepy at times. And there are, I think, a couple of different endings, which I, I liked. You know, there were some, you know, interesting choices you had to make. So it took me about, I would say, I think four or five hours to play with a walkthrough. If you don't play with a walkthrough, it'll probably take a bit longer. Um, so yeah, as I said, some parts are a bit dated, but overall, I did really like it. And I think it's one of the of the good, really good Sierra games. And, you know, Revolution, uh, you know, they said that uh, they had the virtual theater in Beneath the Steel Sky and Tentress. Well, there's a version of that in this game because the, all the characters, they wander around the house themselves. They do uh, things themselves. They have their own lives. You can follow them as well. So uh, it's really impressive how they programmed, how they made this game, especially considering it's over 30 years old. Now, again, it's also some things might make sense. If you go into a room, there's a character there. You might go out of it and then go back in and they just disappear. <laughs> and it's like, wait, what? So there are maybe some moments like that, but Overall, I quite liked it, and I'm looking forward to playing the sequel, The Dagger of Amun-Ra, which is the second Laura Bow game. But this game, I would encourage people to check out. If you haven't checked it out before, um, I would encourage you to check it out. You can use a walkthrough, I think, with this game, or maybe not. Maybe you want to try it yourself. But it is available on GOG, G-O-G. It's not available on Steam, as far as I know. Um, but it is available on GOG, and I would definitely recommend, recommend it. It's cheap. And uh, it, it was a lot of fun. So that is the Colonel's Bequest. So you didn't play this, Thomas, did you? Because uh, I know you're a Sierra no, fan, but you never got around to it. This was one of this was one of those games that I've always wanted to play, but mm. didn't couldn't get a hold of. So I ha I actually own it now <laughs> because I got it I got it through GOG, but I've not mm. come around, gotten around to play, actually playing it yet. Yeah, well, I would recommend if you have the chance, it's four or five hours. I mean, I know a lot of games released nowadays, but... Uh, yeah. I would. Uh, I mean, I also want because I love murder mysteries. I love Agatha Christie. So, uh, finally, over the Christmas holidays, when I just had my laptop, it was one of the few games I could play on my laptop. So, um, and actually, um, I wouldn't mind. Uh, you know, let's see. Hopefully, there'll be more Laura Bow games to come in the future. We shall see. So, uh, Thomas, you also played a game that we mentioned was 
a dark game. So this isn't a, it's, it's not a comedy classic adventure game of the year. I take it. Oh uh, no, there is um, <laughs> there's there's barely any humor in it. Uh, I played Saint Kotar. It is a, a psychological horror detective game which takes place in Croatia, and you kind of need to play the prologue as well, Saint Kotar: The Yellow Mask, to get a full idea of what's going on. Um, you don't have to, but it helps. It, it 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 gives you a bit more of a of a base to start playing. Um, and this game starts in a very creepy house. It, well, basically everything in this game is creepy. Mm-hmm. It is definitely 100% a horror game. Uh, there are some very disturbing things happening. This is not for, for little kids. <laughs> uh, it's Yeah, it's got some disturbing um, subject matter. There's, a, there's, there's cannibalism. There are murders all over the place. Oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> Wow. Uh, there are a lot of other things implied. Uh, it has a very strong Lovecraft vibe with secret cults and, and ancient deities. And you can die quite a few horrible ways. Uh, the, the game is quite sadistic to make a throwback to what we talked about. Sierra, yes. You <laughs> um, can play mostly as Benedict. But you can also play as Nicholas. There are certain parts of the game where you can play as two players uh, and you just switch characters where they are both in different uh, places. Um, I must say that even though I did find the game quite good, I did not like Benedict as a, as a main character. Um, how come? <laughs> well, he's, he's extremely religious, uh, which in and, itself is, is, in and of itself is not, is not an issue. Uh, mm. in a game of course but yeah he takes it a bit far is, do you think that's the kind of intention of the yeah, the yeah, yeah. Part, that, it is yeah. part of the it is part of the development of the character as well that there, there's for instance there's this one point where you're looking at, uh, at at a display of medieval torture equipment like uh, like an iron lady and stuff and he says something well I'm the Inquisition used this back in the middle ages and I'm, I'm pretty sure that if if they were still using it today we would not be in such a t- terrible state nowadays like wow you're condoning torture there <laughs> oh gosh yeah. yeah okay yeah that's a bit but it it fits the character you don't uh, as we have discussed before you don't need to have a sympathetic character hmm. to um uh yeah to to have a good game uh, the game is good and I especially like the way they uh, they get the atmosphere, not just with the, the, the beautiful backgrounds and, and everything, but especially with the music and the sound effects. You really feel like in, you're in this very, very creepy horror movie. Um, so I, I actually very much enjoyed it. It took me about nine hours to finish it. Um, I do know that the developers are going to add stuff in the future. Uh, they are going to add some DLC that... Um, to, um, has to do with one with another character in the game. Um, they're also going to add different endings uh, because when I played this, when I first finished it, I was not entirely sure if, like, if there were multiple endings and if I actually got the, got the the quote unquote good ending. Um, so I I replayed a, a lot of the final um, uh, of the of the last uh, act. And I, I got the exact same results, and there was no uh, nowhere else where I could uh, could get a different result. But there was also several places in the game um, that I couldn't really do anything. Which I'm like, okay, maybe um, I'm not sure why this is in here. But it's now that I heard that they're gonna add stuff. That there's probably some setup for future DLC or future uh, additions to the game. Um, they they redid the voice acting. The voice acting sounds quite good, even though I still can't stand Benedict. That's no not mm-hmm. at fault of the voice actor. That is purely the the character. He's also a bit arrogant in his uh, in his uh, celery. <laughs> so, uh, but again, that is part of the character. That is part of the game. It's not that it's bad. It is. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're meant to like this character very much, especially when you find out more about the backgrounds of several of the characters in the game. Um, so yeah, it's 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 quite disturbing if you if you have issue with horror games or horror movies or horror podcasts or whatever. Uh, if you do not like that, do not play this game because there 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 is a lot of disturbing stuff in here. If you're like me, however, and you like Lovecraftian stuff and you like uh, supernatural horror, um, then definitely play this. But uh, you 
don't be uh, don't be squirmy because there's a lot of blood. <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's um, well, I mean, if people had issues with uh, horror podcasts, they probably wouldn't be listening to this podcast, right? Am I right? No, <laughs> oh. no they would just uh, they would just not listen so, to my yeah. jokes. Yeah. We'll be listening to your <laughs> exactly. jokes. That's right. Sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I'm really intrigued about this. I backed it on Kickstarter. I interviewed the developer last year or two years ago. Yeah, I backed it on Kickstarter as well. So. Um, and it's the location, I believe, is real or in a real, like the mountains in the game are real because one of the... Um, uh, with uh, what, what they call it, extras that you get with the game, with the Kickstarter, is um, you can go to that area and the developers would bring you around. And that's one of the high-end tiers. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'd that, expect, You yeah. don't get that for 15 euros. <laughs> no. No. Uh, now, I presume that they wouldn't be murdering you and there wouldn't be cannibalism. Maybe there would be. I don't know. Maybe uh, that's part of no the... No cannibals! <laughs> no, the developers seem like lovely people. Just to, to stress that... <laughs> Uh, seem like really, really nice people as well. And um, yeah, I think that to be listening to feedback as well. As you mentioned, Thomas, they really did the voice acting, um, which, uh, you know, which which is good when developers listen to feedback. But I'm really intrigued by it. So uh, it seems like the main character is definitely an Old Testament character, you know, from, yeah. from the Bible. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I, I really hope like a lot of the, that even if this is a real location, like if if if, if, if that area, I, I bet that area is real. I have no problem. Yeah, the area. That. I think. Yeah. I hope. I hope Svetikotor as a village is not real because that's <laughs> that's not very comforting. It would not make me want to go there. <laughs> so, uh, but they're also heavily inspired by the King in Yellow, uh, which also inspired um, the first season of True Detective. And you see some uh, some things there, which is very Lovecraftian, a very Lovecraftian story. So, um, yeah, this is if that's your thing, definitely, definitely play this one because it's 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 good. It's just gross at times and disturbing. It, again, what they were going for, but uh, yeah, yeah. No, I just I just Google and um, I knew they were, I, I knew they were going for that. I was not expecting expecting it to go this far as they went, which is I'm, good. I'm um, very intrigued, but I just Googled and Zveti Kotar does not exist in real life, apparently. Zveti <laughs> <laughs> Kotar sounds like some kind of euphemism. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know what's in your mind, Laura. But <laughs> I don't know. It's a sweaty. It sounds sweet. Oh, anyway. Like a sweaty Kotar. <laughs> Did you get your sweaty Kotar on last night? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> well... If it's, if it's anything with this game, you end up losing your, your eyes and your face. So let's okay. not... Uh... <laughs> no, okay. And they'll probably be eaten then. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, well, thank you, Thomas. So that is Saint Kotar, which I believe is out on Steam and GOG and... Um... I think Switch as well. Yeah. I'm not, not entirely sure. So yeah, kind of like a last game before you know before going to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Plenty of weird dreams, but yeah, no, good that you enjoyed it. Uh, so thank you, Thomas. And now for our final game of the week. So Laura, you played Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo. So what did well, you think about Well, I it? did not. Sure, sure. I played oh, Alfred Hitchcock. Oh, that's Vertigo. right. Yeah, I did not play Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo. Um, <laughs> so this is but different. yeah, so, so I played the. It's very interesting that it's it's the way this game is titled. It's called Alfred Hitchcock Vertigo. Yes. <laughs> so, so did did, did um, this and, uh, did this reach uh, dizzying heights or did this leave you with uh, Vertigo, which is probably the same thing? So. They are the same thing. Yes. You were doing well with that. You were yeah, that was I, that was going well for a moment. Give me, um, give me a few minutes, and I might think of something something better. But anyway, you continue with that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's uh, you know the, it failed to stand up. I would say much uh, like Vertigo. Right. Oh, difficult to stand up. Um, so yeah. does, um sorry, sorry, does James Stewart make an appearance? Does he go? No, Mara, so Mara. let's go in. Let's get into this. So it's called Alfred Hitchcock Vertigo, and I I've got a say the reason i should say it's by pendulo studios who made uh, black sad mm, which um, i really enjoyed which you liked sure sure mm. and i think i played the demo of and i enjoyed at least um so basically it, it what they've said the developers is that it, it's sort of is inspired by the film vertigo which is obviously you know it's a it's a classic film mm. not just a, a classic hitchcock film but a classic film in general you know it's been consistently voted one of the best films of all time um real masterpiece of suspense and you know 
you know, you don't know what's going to happen around every corner. It's a great thriller. Now, this doesn't feature James Stewart. It doesn't feature anything of the plot of Vertigo or the characters or anything to do with Vertigo. And what the developers have said is that it's inspired by the themes of Vertigo. They've also been inspired by Alfred Hitchcock's films in general. Now, having played this game, I don't (laughs) quite get what they mean because it, you know, Basically, what when they say they've been inspired by some of Hitchcock's films, that there's been several points um, in the sort of editing of the scenes where that they sort of take an inspiration from you know the famous kind of dolly shots that Hitchcock does, where there's a zoom in or a, a quick zoom out, and they've trying to use those techniques um, in the sort of editing together of scenes. But w- what seems to happen instead is these kind of odd moments in the game where it will zoom in on a cat for example for quite a long time and you know there's a there's a scene where um the main character ed who i'll kind of explain what's going on with him in a set but he he this woman knocks at his door and he helps her he has to help her in because she's been hurt in the forest um, and he has to like help her and sort of pick her up and take her to the sofa because her legs um hurting and i i honestly feel uh, this might not be the case but it felt like they weren't they found it too tricky or they didn't want to animate this scene of him picking this woman up so it just zooms in on this cat that's watching them and i there's a kind of odd little side story with the cat and i don't know if that's the reason why they zoomed in on the cat but um it's it's a sort of bizarre scene where they're zooming in on this cat for ages whilst he's picking up this woman. Um, so that's kind of what they've said. It's not to do with Vertigo. It's inspired by the themes. And to be fair to them, I could sort of see some of these themes in, in the game. The game itself, I should say, the story um, follows this guy, Ed, uh, Ed Miller. He wakes up at the beginning of the game. He supposedly crashed his car off a cliff. Uh, he claims the car had this woman called Faye and his baby daughter inside. But, you know, they he, he's he's about to sort of jump off the bridge in a sort of dramatic suicide fashion because he thinks he's killed, you know, it's his child and, and this woman. Um, and he's stopped from doing it um, just as he's about to do it. But he 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 then uh, he's insistent that this is what's happened the car's crashed but when p- people look at the wreckage of the car there's no uh, bodies there they can't find any trace of him have ever having a baby daughter and so they conclude he's gone mad really and he's he's made up these things in his mind so a psychologist comes to try and figure out what's actually going on trying to get to the bottom of it and a fair bit of the game is you playing as this psychologist, Dr. Lomas, and you're talking to him, you're delving into his memories because he also has, guess what? He's got vertigo. No. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So there is, that is one similarity. Ed does have vertigo. And so that's part of it as well. He can't get up and about. He's bed bound. So you're talking to him. In the meantime, there's this officer Rays, who's a police officer who's investigating a local murder. And he thinks Ed has something to do with it because it happened around the same time. And Ed knew the person. So you, you play these three different characters. You play Ed in flashbacks as well of his memories. And I have to say that, you know, the story itself is intriguing. There's a lot of twists and turns, much like a Hitchcock film. Um, it's perhaps not told quite as um, delicately as a Hitchcock film, but, it you know, once you, you get into it, you are like, well, what's actually going on here? And there's plenty of twists and turns i would say slightly too many near the end it gets a bit mad um and you're just like what but the story definitely kept me wanting to play on um even if like other parts of it didn't now um the gameplay is mainly sort of like dialogue choices um but i don't think it actually there's no sort of different endings or branching plot paths it's just you know you you can choose different dialogue options it reminded me quite a lot of something like telltales the walking dead in in that sense because there's also quick time events as well although again they don't really it doesn't matter if you fail it's not like with the walking Mm. dead where if you failed certain things you know someone could die this was a bit more like oh well you might just do a high five rubbishly (laughs) or something like that so it was kind of like why have we got these quick time events i don't really get it um, but though that's kind of the main gameplay. You're going about um, another section when you're going into Ed's um, memories as the psychologist is you kind of scrub through his memories and you have to pick certain points to highlight and ask him questions about. So you're kind of delving into his memories and you you play a sort of Ed who's looking into his memories at that point. It's all 3D, I should say. Um, 
And that's kind of a, it's a bit like a mechanic that they use in Cyberpunk uh, 2077, where you like scrub through these memories and you have to highlight certain points. So that was kind of interesting to break it up a bit and a different dynamic. Um, and then when once you've done, you've collected all the specific points, then you unlock a, a further elements of the memory, basically. The story itself, I was intrigued by. The ending is just bizarre <laughs> i would say it, it totally it's just like throws it all away at the end and it's like oh okay fine um really no relation very much to vertigo at all um and i i just feel like if they hadn't called it alfred mm. hitchcock vertigo why you know why bring upon this a comparison of an amazing film and an amazing director i mean they, they've even got like a hitchcock Piers as a digital cameo in it. There's there's loads of little really? jokes. Yeah, it, there's there's a scene of it at the beginning where they are watching the film Hitchcock. That one of the characters is watching the film. Sorry, watching the film Vertigo, and Hitchcock's also in the cinema watching it. Um, so you know you could see that they do love the, the Hitchcock mm. and the film. Like there's this clear love. There's little in jokes as well because I watched Vertigo before I played the game, so I'd be up to date with it uh, and remember it. And you know you could see that they obviously do have a great love of of him and the films but it's just a it's very difficult to compare yourself to something like especially it's a completely different medium really as much as games are cinematic um you know it's tricky it is tricky to do the same thing and i just feel like the idea that because they did sort of camera shots to try to emulate the visual style because they just did some zoom ins and zoom outs and things like that you know, in a Hitchcock film, every shot has a reason behind it. There's, there's, It's there to create this emotion. And I just don't, you know, I don't think they thought of that. I think they just thought, well, we'll just do zooming in and zooming out. And then that's that's Hitchcock. And it's not. The point is, is that there's a reason he chooses certain things to do that around. So, yeah, it's a mad storyline. It, it, it was that part of it was very good to play. Um, mm. And I will say, if you if you don't know anything about Hitchcock, don't know anything about Vertigo, it doesn't matter. If if you just want to get into an intriguing story, um, you know, you could do far worse. I, you know, the gameplay is pretty simple. I just don't. I I think the final point is just I just don't really get why they called it Alf, Alfred Hitchcock Vertigo. Only my only thought is because they know it would. They knew it would get get more attention mm. for it simply quite simply and and that's fair enough but i, it's a I just bit cynical think, then. Yeah, yeah i just don't, money I just, yeah <laughs> i mean obviously they i don't think they i do think they have some love for the subject but it just seemed weird to me that it was called this and then there's no real connection apart from some very loose links um and that's my that was my main issue with it the the writing itself isn't very strong it, you know it's you could just about get through it, but it, you know, it, it just wasn't quite there for me. And I think if it didn't have this connection, it w- would have been at least a little bit better because you're not just endlessly comparing it to Hitchcock. Um, but you know, as it is, uh, interesting story. I think the graphics themselves they are quite cartoonish. They they look a bit like. Um, uh, like I said, sort of telltale games. The music is good. I enjoyed the soundtrack. That felt kind of worthy of a Hitchcock film. But yeah, that, that, that this is the thing, sort of the stiff facial animations, um, a little bit clunky quick time events and, and just a strange link to Hitchcock that I, I didn't quite get. Yeah. I, I mean, first of all, the, the title, as you mentioned, it makes no sense. I mean, uh, as you say, Alfred Hitchcock, Vertigo, uh, I mean, why not just call it Vertigo? Most of us know that Hitchcock made the movie Vertigo. Well, I think there is a game called Vertigo already. Oh, is so there? That oh, could well. well be the thing. And also, I, mean, I guess Vertigo doesn't necessarily, not everyone would think. I oh, suppose, that's the but thing. still, yeah. Um, but yeah, now I, I saw actually the introduction before, uh, you know, I think last week, just to give an idea. And of course, I haven't played the game. I did buy the game because I am still really intrigued and I still want to try it out for myself to see what it's like. Um, but I think one thing will seem to be the choices that I don't know if it's a spoiler. The very first scene um, where you're doing so is it a spoiler? Uh, well, okay, if you don't want to know, well, I think anything, I've kind of mentioned if it's the first scene, it's when he's trying, he's, he's about jump to off. suicide. Yeah. yeah. But then there's a choice like, do you jump off or do you uh, stay like it's live or die? And the, the person who was playing it, uh, he chose to live and he was to character. Your character was still, you know, pulled back. And clearly, I think, to, um, not to correct you, but maybe that you were supposed to maybe choose to jump and then you'd be stopped at the last minute because then later on, when the psychologist comes, 
Uh, I think she's told, yeah, he tried to commit suicide. But I was like, no, he didn't. He stopped himself. <laughs> and so I mm. think that that kind of showed me that the choices probably didn't really matter. Um, yeah, although I suppose in that it's like maybe he almost did. But Yeah, that I is guess, true. That is true. Yeah, um, but it's true that the choices don't matter. There's only one ending, yeah. so they, they yeah, don't. Okay. So, it's um, the, yeah, it's trying to emulate, I feel like, those kind of games like the Telltale games where you do make choices and you do these quick time events. But it's like, but in this game, it doesn't really make sense because. Yeah, no, so you could argue that the choices in Telltale games don't really matter. There's one ending as well. But I think that the choices in the Telltale games, they matter for the characters, like what kind of character uh, you play and also yeah, to and, me. and you know you give a character saying so and so will remember this yes. and it kind of changes their <laughs> relationship with you exactly maybe, yeah. and uh, and then the other thing you mentioned with the quick time events which and again I haven't played it I just saw it um, at the very beginning the intro with your character at the very beginning just running and then you were press, pressing the buttons, you know, to make you run. And again, I just didn't think that it was really... Net- Compared to Blackside, the previous game, I wasn't a huge fan of the quick time events, but they made more sense. You know, for example, you're in a fight and then you, I think, swipe left, uh, you go left and you, your character moves to the left very quickly. So it made sense. But here, it didn't seem to really make much sense. Again, just from watching, not playing it, just watching the introduction. As I said, I did buy it because <laughs> I'm still very curious and very intrigued by it and um you know i love alfred hitchcock myself but yeah i think it's well that doesn't matter (laughs) i know it is probably a pity that they call it alfred hitchcock vertical you know instead of they call it i don't know uh shorsha or susan marty i don't know or guy guy can't get out of bed maybe to call it that Susan Marty. I don't know. I'm, just, I'm trying to not not Alfred Hitchcock. If they call it "Guy Can't Get Out of Bed," maybe that's yeah. uh, <laughs> wow, Joshua. You should really <laughs> I'm give up your day here. job with that kind of skill. I know. A, listen, if you want marketing, you know I'm your man to come up with fantastic. Susan names. Marty, the guy who can't get out of bed. <laughs> exactly, Susan. Susan Marty, guy who can't Susan get out. Marty. I I don't know. It's the uh, first names that came into my head. I don't know why. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm. We'll you know, looking know. forward to to playing it, but it's I think it's a shame, you know, because I really enjoyed Black Sad, which uh, had some issues, but it does seem I think that like this game has gone kind of backwards for Pendulo, that it might be one of their best. Yeah, it made... It's yeah, uh, and this is the thing for me, and the, I, as I keep saying, that the story did help me mm. like keep going, but the writing itself for the story, there was some very odd things that and that people were saying where I was like, I really did think someone would say this in real life, even if they are quite unhinged, because there's quite a few unhinged <laughs> people in this game. But even so, I was like, hmm, I'm not sure. Um, mm. it, is, it took me about sort of uh, 11 hours to play as well. So it's not like a really quick game. You know, there's a another wow. thing I'll just quickly mention is that the the there are way too many loading screens in this game. Mm. Um, there's there's literally there might be over 50 in this game because um, we were I, I was sort of counting them near the end because I was like, goodness me, is it just me? Uh, obviously, I never really normally care about loading screens that much if there's like a couple here and there. But this was ridiculous. It was like after every scene, there was another one. And and even though, you know, I'm not playing on the most high spec PC, uh, you know, most of the time I if I've got loading screens, they're fairly quick, especially once you're in the game. But some one or two of them were taking like a mm. minute, you know, a minute, couple of minutes. I was just a bit like, oh, it kind of slows the pace down when you're getting into the story. I, I don't know why that was there were so many it, of them. And I don't know if it's just because of the many cutscenes and things like that, but so yeah, it, it did slow it down a bit. But Black Sad had, uh, you know, I had similar issues with Black Sad. Really? It's a lot of uh, loading scenes. So I'm guessing it's the engine they're using. That I it think, must be. It must be. Uh, you um, know, probably need to update it. <laughs> Again, I'm not a programmer, but I'm guessing yeah. it's something to do with the engine because I know that Telltale, <clears throat> their engine was kind of creaky towards the end as well. And the new Telltale have um, uh, having new engine. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I'm still going to try it. Um, see what I think. Hopefully, I'll get a chance to try it. But no, it's a pity because I was looking forward to this game. I was hoping that it would be, you know, good. But I was also kind of like when I saw the trailers and the title, I was like, oh, I don't know. But the game is Pendulo. They're a good studio. They make good games. Um, but look, people can see That's what okay. they think. Um, it's hmm. available. Is it available? Well, it's on Steam. Is it on GOG as well? Do you know? It is on GOG, yes. Um, I believe what, what else you can 
Yeah, there's on consoles as well. It might run a bit better on consoles. Maybe, uh, possibly. Yeah. Well, it depends if you've got a PC or a, a gaming laptop or whatever. Um, I Yes, I would say, you know, that there's a couple of glitches, a couple of bugs and things, which is fine. Um, but the, the story is just about enough to, to get it going. Mm. But it, it could have been so much more. And they just don't need that name. They just don't need it. <laughs> so you heard Pendulo next game called it Susan Marty Guy Cannot Get Out of Bed. <laughs> Which uh, anybody wants to use that name, feel free. I mean, but you need to pay I mean, you royalties. I want to make a game called that now. <laughs> Susan Marty, guy cannot get out of bed. That's yeah, trademark now. <laughs> yeah, makes as much sense as Alfred Hitchcock Vertigo. I know. So. Well, <laughs> it doesn't make sense if you say it, but if you see it on the title, then it 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 is styled like a movie title. So Alfred yes. Hitchcock it's, is obviously okay, the name yeah. above the title. So Alfred Hitchcock, Vertigo. Yeah, right. It does make sense. And right. obviously, they clearly there's clearly been something where they couldn't say Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo. <laughs> yeah, They're clearly not been a yeah legal. Right. No yeah. involvement in the game, so they yeah. can't they can't claim that. So um, yeah, um, yeah. Well, thank you, Laura, and thank you, Thomas. And I think that's it for this month's episode. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, do you guys know what you're playing? Well, well, Laura, you're playing uh, an interesting game at the moment <laughs> as well. Yes, I'm playing a, a, a few, but yes, I, I am playing one called um, Conway Disappearance at Dali of You, which I'm enjoying quite a lot. So it's very intriguing. Uh, funnily enough, it, it feels a bit like Rear Window. I was going to say, I haven't played yeah. that, but uh, you're going on an Alfred Hitchcock uh, <laughs> spree. <laughs> it sure? doesn't, it's not called Alfred Hitchcock Rear Window, thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, Thomas, uh, any uh, games that uh, that intrigue you that you would like to check out in the not too uh, Well, future? I still have a few demos that I downloaded from the Adventure uh, event, so I'm gonna I'm gonna check those out. Um, I have Black Book that I want to play. I have Overboard now that I want to uh, yes. check out. Uh, I Overboard. Bought it, on, <laughs> bought it on your recommendation. Uh, there's still this little game called It Takes Two that we need to finish. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I've got I've got plenty to choose from. Um, I, I won't be playing that much for the upcoming period due to some uh, some personal things, so I won't be near my uh, my PC. But I, I do plan to have played some uh, some new stuff uh, by the time we record next time. Cool. Of course, in your own time. Uh, I can't say the name of the game that I'm playing because it isn't out yet. <laughs> <laughs> and developers very kindly sent me a Steam key. So the game isn't really finished, but I'm kind of testing it out, better testing. I am really enjoying it, I have to say. And uh, yeah, I mean, I would like at some point to finish The Forgotten City, <laughs> which I still have to play, but some new games keep uh, popping up. But yeah, no, we shall see for, for next time. So that's it for this week. Uh, my connection has been very, very difficult. But thank you, everyone, for listening. And again, thank you, Thomas and Laura, for your help and for your company. We shall meet again soon. So we shall be here again next month. So thank you again. Thank you. Yeah, keep on questing.